something to say. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, which is available as a Kindle ebook in paperback and as a podcast called Mask of the Gods, wherever you're listening to me. And if it's not there, please let me know. I'll fix that because it should be. So today... We're going to be talking about a rather delicate subject, creativity, and as I like to call it, the art of engineering self. In other words, how do you become who you want to be, or at least move more towards that? Now, I know that sounds self-helpy, but we're not going to be going full-on self-help. But before we get into this topic, if you haven't already, and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do so. That helps me out so much. It tells the algorithm to share me with more people. So if you could take a moment and do that. And if you're new and you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. And if you haven't shared the podcast in a while, maybe share this one because I have a feeling it's going to be a doozy. So thank you. Alrighty, so what do I mean by this? This is a topic that's really hard to talk about without sounding like some kind of a self-help guru, and I really don't want to go there, because that's not where I am coming from. But, there's always a but, isn't there? Especially when you start off with a disclaimer like that. See, when you are a creative person, when you are pursuing a creative field no matter what it is, music, cooking, video, movies, television. If you're a prose writer like me or a poet, which I aspire to be one day, though my poetry is very, very bad. Very, very bad. Wish it were better. One of the things that we usually don't apply our creative skills to is ourselves. And I think that that's a huge mistake, mainly because once you start going down any of these processes, you start learning more and more and more about how the human psyche works, how people work. And as a side effect, you start learning more about how you work and how you function and what gets you both motivated and excited. You learn what brings you joy and pleasure and how to bring that out in others just as much. See, the problem I think most creative people have is that they're locked in their nine to five daily job and only trying to find outlets for their creativity, a little moment here and a little moment there that they can grab and hold on to. And in pursuing that creative endeavor, whatever it is, they end up neglecting a lot of the person work that needs to be done in order to really make your fiction work, at least in the way that you want it to. 
Remember, I'm not one of those people that says that there's some kind of arbitrary standard by which all things should be judged. There isn't. You are your own standard. It doesn't matter if everyone hates the work that you do. As long as it is meaningful for you, then it's meaningful. So you have to kind of start there. But beyond that, when you start looking at your life and how you actually construct your life and seeing your life as something that is constructed, then, well, you start noticing some of the things that you might be able to do to make your life better. I talked about this some in the episode on why I do a daily podcast. I I do a daily podcast because it's something that I enjoy. Do I particularly like carving out about an hour a day to do this? Because, you know, that and that's just the recording and editing and uploading time. And while, yeah, I don't like edit, edit the sound because you get all my bloopers and trips of the tongue. I, I do my best to make sure that the audio quality is as good as I can make it for you all. And that doesn't even count the time that I spend agonizing over what the topic should be, and once I pick a topic, what I should actually be talking about. Is that something that I really want to do every day? Well, the answer is yes, even on days when I don't feel like doing it. The same is true with the fiction that I write. I try to find time to do those things. Now, in a busy schedule, I know that becomes very, very difficult, but this is where what I term the art of engineering self really comes in and becomes very important for the writer to play around with and do things, because most of my creative energy actually goes into keeping myself creative. Because, you know, I have anxiety issues. If you follow me on Twitter, you know all about those. I have depressive issues. I, like most humans, have a lot of issues. And so a lot of my time is actually spent making sure that I'm in a good mindset and that I'm able to actually move forward in a way that's not self-destructive. But what I've learned over time is not to see that as... A problem, but to see that as an outlet for my creativity, an outlet for all of those energies to really come into play. When I become obsessed about a character flaw or something that I would like to change in myself, well, in some ways that's no different than a character flaw in a character that I'm writing. What would it take for them to overcome that flaw, and what would I have to do to work towards it? I'm not always successful. There are a few flaws that I've been trying to get rid of for years that I've not been as successful with, but others I have. I used to be quite a timid, shy person, and in some situations I still am, but I am able to host panels at conventions. I hold court on the evenings at those conventions and deal with both people that I know and absolute strangers from a place of confidence because I know what I am capable of and what I'm not. I've been able to develop that kind of attribute sheet. Not exactly like you would see in a role-playing game, but I know where my talents lie, I know where my strengths are, and I've learned to stop lying to myself about them. 
That is part of engineering self. Learning to stop lying to ourselves about what we're good at and what we're not good at. You might not think that you're a good public speaker, but, you know, once you've had several years in a row of standing room only at a convention that you're giving a talk at, that you're hosting a panel at, that ends up mostly with people just asking you questions and listening to you answer, well, maybe you are good at public speaking, whether you think you are or not. And if I hadn't tried... And believe me, I, I didn't do these things because I wanted to, at least not initially. Now I actually look forward to them. But it was in trying, in endeavoring, in testing and seeing what I was actually good at, what I could actually do, and honestly listening to the feedback of others that led me to understand that while many times I can't even see my own strengths, they are there. And that's what engineering self is. For a lot of us, we lie about what makes us popular. We lie about what people like about being around us. We lie about our strengths and we lie about our weaknesses. Learning to see them and see them clearly is one of the most valuable things that we can do with our lives. And especially once we learn how to do them and do them well, they can become talents that we can then employ in other aspects of our lives. I'm probably making it sound a lot easier than it is. It's not. I have a terrible fear of public speaking, and even today, while I have no problem submitting my panel suggestions to the conventions and knowing that I'm going to be working with certain people on those panels because we've kind of developed a camaraderie with each other, I still get a little panicky, especially on the first day. But the panels go as they should go because, you know, I've developed a rhythm and I kind of know what I'm doing. And then the fear goes away. That's engineering self. Learning the coping mechanisms that you need to get you through those first hurdles where you can see, oh, I can do that. And not being judgmental on the way. The first four books I ever wrote are utter trash. They're, they're virtually illegible. The grammar is terrible. The spelling is atrocious. The stories go nowhere and the plot's thin. The characters are worse than cardboard cutouts. But I needed to go through that to start experimenting with what I wanted in stories, what I liked in stories. I wrote pure fantasy, and I wrote pure science fiction, and I wrote straight-up horror. And through those experiences, I learned where my strengths are and where to start doubling down on them. Now, there are some other aspects of ourselves that can go undetected for extremely long periods of time, and one day I may do a more in-depth talk about this, Probably in Pride Month, because that seems appropriate topics for Pride Month. I'm actually wanting to do a bunch of different things for Pride Month. So if you have any suggestions, do let me know. But mostly, I learned from a very early age that I, well, I thought I was homosexual. I thought I was gay. I was assigned male at birth. I like men. And so that must be me. It took me a long time to be able to say that out loud. 
I was conver- confirmed in these convictions by the time I was 10, I didn't tell anyone other than the few people that I had liaisons and trysts with over the years. I didn't come out until I was 18. And probably wouldn't have then, except for I was at a party with a bunch of people that I felt really comfortable with. And, well, to be honest, entheogens were involved. There's nothing like a truth serum to make you tell the truth to a bunch of people. But running parallel to that, I knew that my sense of gender was different than those around me and always had been. I had never dreamed of myself as masculine. I had never dreamed of myself as male. In fact, in my dreams, I've always been female. I like to dress in women's clothes. I, I really have a different gender identity than the one that was foisted upon me at birth. But it was easier for me to just tell myself that I was gay and live with that. And for the most part, that served me okay with a lot of physical problems and dysphoria that I didn't quite understand. And it got worse and worse and worse until eventually I realized what the problem was. But the problem's now twofold. I know my voice is quite deep. And even though I do exercises to help me raise the tone of my voice, you may have noticed on the show, for those who've listened for a while, my voice kind of fluctuates from a higher pitch to a lower pitch, depending on how well I can control it that day, because I am actively trying to raise the pitch of my voice. I I want a higher-pitched voice. I, I want to be more feminine. I want to engineer that aspect of myself. Gender is such a strange thing, and it's something that we don't give a lot of thought to. And I think people who are cisgender give even less thought to it than they should. This is a very important part of engineering who we are. You need to know, if you're female, are you a girly girl or a tomboy or somewhere on the spectrum in between? If you're on the male side of things... How masculine do you want to be? How do you want to actually present your masculinity? How do you want to come off? These are questions that we ask when we write our characters, when we're doing our art, when we're drawing, painting. When we're cooking, we ask how much we want a flavor to come out in the final piece. But these little elements that make us who we are, we very rarely take the time to ask ourselves exactly how masculine do I want to present? How feminine do I want to present? Do I talk the way that I want to? And if not, is there anything that I can do about that? Is there anything I can do in my style of dress or maybe my hairstyle that would make me feel better and more comfortable in my skin and more capable of just living and coping in this world? These are all elements of designing and engineering who we are that are very important. And I would say almost more important if you are cisgendered or if you are heterosexual. Because in a lot of ways, you've never been asked to confront your sexuality or your gender identity. And I hate to sound all, you know, Socratic at this moment, but... An an unexamined life is not worth living. It's important for us to interrogate these aspects of ourselves and find out exactly what we want to do, how we want to present ourselves. The episode I did yesterday, where I came out to some as a goth, may have sounded like a surprise, because, well, many people think that I have a cheery disposition, 
that I have a fun demeanor. How can you be into goth? How can you fill your house with skulls and gargoyles and dark images of all kind? Well, because I find them funny. I find them entertaining and I find them aesthetically pleasing. They're a part of my identity and they're a part of who I am. Listening to Ghost or Christian Death or the Sisters of Mercy, they're just part of who I am. I don't take them seriously and I don't think they take themselves seriously. Well, the Sisters of Mercy do, but that's just because Andrew Eldrick has a problem. He hasn't really examined who he is and could probably benefit from listening to this podcast. Or maybe I just listened to Wayne Hussey too much. But that, <laughs> that aside... If you are going to take the time to be creative, you should put those creative energies towards every aspect of your life. How is the decor of your housework? You may not have the money to do the decoration that you want, or you might not even have the rights to paint the walls or what have you. When I was a kid, I lived in an apartment and I wasn't allowed to paint the walls. But I could go and buy fabrics and tack them up in the corners of the room so the rooms the room had the colored walls that I wanted. It was something that I was able to do, it was okay within the lease, and I was able to personalize my environment. It's the little things, and it's the things that we often don't think about doing, that can really make life so much more livable for us. Now I know, I know, I know, you're probably saying, but Charlie, I'm trying to find time in my day to just write on my current work in progress. My whip isn't going to write itself. No, it's not. But if you find ways to do these other things, you're psychologically setting yourself up so that when you have those moments of free time, you can be more creative because you're not upset about the seat that you're sitting in or the environment around your desk or workspace, wherever that may be. You'll find, at least I've found, that it's the little things that really do change how we perceive our environment and the world around us, and even perceive ourselves. So I invite you, if you haven't ever tried to just interrogate yourself about these things, do so. Why do you like wearing that particular shirt? What is it? Is it the color? Is it the design? The cut? Should you do more of that? Don't care what anyone else says. You don't have to fit in with people who disagree with who you are at your basic instinct. Be yourself. Find ways to exhibit that and perform that. People get upset when we talk about performing ourselves, performing gender, performing any, in any aspect that seems innate to the self. But if it's not performed, it's merely persona. It's merely something within you that no one will ever interact with. Probably not even you. So if you like being a girly girl, do your nails. Take the time to do it. Put a flower in your hair when you go out. Do what makes you happy. And finding these little things, you'll find that it will help soften the edges of some of the other things that come your way that make life harder and more ridiculous to deal with. Because if we can be honest about anything, life is ridiculous. 
<laughs> it really is. It doesn't make sense. It's obnoxious. It's annoying. It can be wonderfully glorious. But if we're not just trying to find ways to perform those things that were, are within us, to have the courage to ride them into being, then what's the point of it all? I hope this was helpful for some of you. It's a topic that I've been talking about a lot on Twitter lately, and I've noticed a very popular, very strong reaction anytime I bring these topics up. So I feel like people need to hear more about it. If this was helpful to you and you haven't already, and you're able to rate this episode in some way or this podcast, please do so. That helps me out immensely. It tells the algorithms to share me with more people. If you've got a dollar you can throw my way, you can either go down to the show notes and click the community support link and join the project over there, or go to patreon.com slash cedorset and join over there. The For the most part, it's true what it says over there, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be working on the levels. But if you can join at as little as a dollar a month, that helps me out immensely to do everything that I'm doing. I'm actually on the path to make everything I do free for everyone by the end of June. And that's really scary because I'd like to be able to pay bills. So if you can join, please do. If you don't have the money or you just don't feel like it right now, that's okay. Just remember, please share this podcast with anybody that you think would enjoy it. I've started work on some secret projects that are not so secret if you follow my Twitter, because I've kind of been talking about them a little bit, but I'm not ready to talk about them on the show yet. So there'll be a lot more of that coming in the next few weeks. Until next time, follow me on Twitter, C.E. Dorset, same on Instagram, or go to Project Shadow and find links to everything that I do. Until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.